America, the UK, and other Christian heritage nations like Canada and Australia actually repent? Or have we gone past the point of no return? As we look at Bible prophecy, nations that were once known to be Christian nations are in the danger zone as far as being eligible for impending judgments. How much longer can the gates of God's mercy hold back His wrath against rebellious people? For globalism and its antichrist system to be put into place, America must be quickly diminished, although there are pockets of revival going on in various places. But only the grace and mercy of God can turn the situation around. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. I'm Christine Darg. The Bible speaks of Antichrist and the false prophet taking control of the planet by seizing the financial system. Over 1900 years ago, Revelation 13:17 predicted that in the future, a person will not be allowed to buy or sell unless he can access the global financial system by bearing the mark and number of the Antichrist. To get globalism and its Antichrist system into place, the influence of America's freedoms must be canceled. And that's why you see such a fever-pitched effort to take down America at every level. Forces from both inside and outside are weakening the USA. Inflation is rising almost everywhere. Nations that once stood for human rights and dignity grow increasingly willing to suppress rights in exchange for the promise of the elusive peace and safety. National prayer leader Pastor Jim Garlow has stated that marginalized and counseled believers need to know how to create a parallel universe because of the culture we find ourselves living in. People are being fired from jobs because of their beliefs and there have been over 350 companies whose accounts have been frozen because of owners speaking out for biblical values. Indeed, America's current spiritual condition is alarmingly precarious, and that of the UK as well. Are the days of our nations numbered due to backsliding and gross rebellion? America started out as a God-fearing nation, Atheists and secularists try to deny that America began as a Christian nation. But the intentional placement of America under God's authority can be clearly seen in the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the motto, In God We Trust. The Founding Fathers were not perfect, and many were apparently Freemasons. Nevertheless, they founded America upon the Ten Commandments. And in so doing, the USA has been singularly blessed. But now America's homicide and incarceration rates are the highest of any industrialized nation. Ten times that of Japan, Sweden, Ireland, and the Netherlands. 
The U.S. is the world leader in divorces, teenage pregnancies, teen suicides, illegal drugs. Sometimes a nation's sin is so severe that God doesn't respond to prayers for it. He withdraws his hand and allows nations to reap the consequences of their own sins. A nation can become so evil and corrupt that the Lord says that even if righteous persons like Noah, Job, Daniel, and Samuel were here to pray, he would not heed their prayers. We see the history of Israel and much of the world in a singular verse in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 11, where God said, I am with you to save you, though I will completely destroy all the nations to which I have scattered you. I will not completely destroy you. And yet I will discipline you justly and will by no means leave you unpunished. In this one verse, God declares that Israel will be punished, but saved. And all other nations where the Jews have been scattered will be brought to a full end. So what hope can we find in this word of God for our nations today? In Jeremiah chapter 18 and verses 7 to 10, God declared, the instant I speak concerning a nation or a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull it down, to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil way, I will relent and reverse my decision concerning the devastating disaster that I intended to do. And God said, the instant I speak concerning a nation or a kingdom to build it, to plant it, if it does evil in my sight and does not obey my voice, then I will reverse my decision to bless them. So we learn that a just and holy God can't hold back his wrath ad infinitum. There comes a tipping point. God's judgment must eventually fall on those who despise him and rebel against him. Many times in the Bible, God did not withhold judgments against Israel and Judah. So he also will not spare America, the UK, or any other nation that fails to honor him. Recently, I heard a preacher ask a very relevant question. He asked, should Americans find hope in the biblical account of the prophet Jonah, who was sent to preach judgment in Nineveh? The Ninevites actually repented, and God reversed his plan to destroy them. Or, the preacher asked, have America and Britain sunk so low in apostasy that their sins are like those of the kingdom of Judah at the time of the Babylonian conquest. At that time, no amount of prayer could save Judah. God's patience and mercy had run its course. Well, Calvary Chapel pastor Greg Laurie said he believes America today can be compared to ancient Nineveh. The wickedness of that great city was so great that God effectively said it was seen up in heaven. And now, Pastor Greg and many other prophetic preachers are saying that America is surely in great danger of impending judgments. The good news is that the people of Nineveh, the capital city of the ancient Assyrian Empire, they humbled themselves in sackcloth and ashes, and they fully repented at the preaching of God's word. 
In effect, they responded to the principles we hear preached so often in 2 Chronicles 7.14, which states, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, God says, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Of course, we must bear in mind that that promise belongs, first of all, to his people, the Jewish people. Nevertheless, the principles contained in that promise of revival apply to the Lord's dealings with other nations when they genuinely humble themselves and repent. Those of us who were brought up in the church are familiar with the story of the prophet Jonah, how he was swallowed by a big fish because he jumped on a boat thinking he could run away far from God. The Lord had commissioned him to go to Nineveh to prophesy their destruction. But Jonah ran in the opposite direction because he didn't want his enemies to repent and be blessed. Nevertheless, after the fish vomited Jonah, he finally decided to obey God. He went to Nineveh where he preached a one-sentence sermon devoid of any mercy. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And to his chagrin, Jonah's warning was well received by the king and the people. All of the city repented and they were granted a stay of execution. Jonah 3.10 records that they turned from their evil ways and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them. Theologians state that the principles of 2 Chronicles 7.14 work when an evil people repent and turn from their wicked ways. I believe America was given a stay of execution when a pro-life president was elected, but all hell was unleashed against his administration. The powers of darkness worked overtime to keep him and his conservative platform out of the Oval Office. Now, here's something a lot of preachers are talking about, and we have to bear it in mind. According to the teaching of the Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 1, there's a downward projection in a nation's apostasy that brings a nation past the point of no return. When people rebel against God, first of all, God gives them over to impurity and lust. And we've certainly seen that happen with the most shocking and vile perversions being celebrated in America and the UK. Secondly, God gives the people over to vile passions to dishonor their own bodies because they change the truth of God into a lie. And then a third and final stage is when God gives them over to a wicked reprobate mind. This means their minds become so vile that they lose common sense and rational behavior. Recently, I heard a godly preacher state that in his opinion, the United States has gone past the point of no return and that God has given America over to a reprobate mind due to the systematic degeneration of society, the undermining of the institution of marriage and various perversions actually put into law. Even the overturning of the Supreme Court Roe versus Wade ruling concerning abortion did not satisfy the preacher that America has been given a stay of execution because, he said, so many Americans are defiantly angry at the Supreme Court and are determined more than ever to keep 
child sacrifice through abortion on the law books in individual state legislatures. There are many other preachers and intercessors who have not given up on America's revival, but continue to pray, and indeed we are seeing merciful pockets of revival. On the other hand, I've seen statements of intercessors who say that although they continue to pray and hope for revival, they don't have a strong witness that God is willing to answer their prayers because the time of the great tribulation is shortly upon us as prophesied in both testaments of the Bible. Great tribulation events are already casting their shadow upon our times. Well, on three occasions, the weeping prophet Jeremiah was told by God to stop praying for Judah. Do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry of prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I have not heard you. Do you see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? That sounds very contemporary when we consider the lawless acts and debauchery going on in our nation's streets. Why was God determined to judge Judah at that time? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 19, verses 4 to 5, we learn that the people had forsaken the Lord and alienated him from Judah. They worshiped false gods and they sacrificed the innocent blood of their children to the false god Baal. Child sacrifice especially appalls the Lord, and abortion is a type of child sacrifice for convenience. Other sins for which God judged nations in the Bible include celebration and glorification of sin, hatred and mockery of this word of God, blasphemy against God, mistreating Israel, greed, covetousness, and corrupt religious leaders as well as oppression of certain people groups like children, orphans, widows, the poor, foreigners, slavery, and sex trafficking. Again, in Jeremiah eleven fourteen, God said, Do not pray for this people or lift up a cry of prayer on their behalf, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry to me in their trouble. And a third reference is found in Jeremiah 14, 11 to 12. Then God said, do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I'm not going to hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and through pestilence. All of this discussion brings to my mind how God told the prophet Samuel to stop mourning over the apostate first king of Israel, King Saul, because God said, he had rejected Saul after a point of disobedience. Any prayer after that for Saul was pointless. And likewise, Jeremiah was told to quit praying for Judah. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, despite the prophet's warnings, the Jews were indeed defeated and hauled off to Babylon where they remained captive for 70 years. It's a harsh reality that his intercessory prayers on behalf of Judah could not change the Lord's mind, and Jeremiah was told to cease praying for his people. The Lord in his foreknowledge knows whether or not a people will respond to his warnings like Nineveh did. 
In Judah's case, judgments came in the following ways, according to Jeremiah chapter 19 and verses 6 through 9. And again, these verdicts sound so contemporary. First, the counselors of Judah forsook the Lord in his wisdom, and then therefore they provided foolish advice. How often in our own time have we seen men and women in positions of authority giving the most ridiculous, ungodly counsel concerning our health, our children, our schools, churches, energy, and so forth. Therefore, God said Judah would be conquered and attacked even by wild animals, which can be taken literally because some invaders and drug warlords and terrorists also behave like wild beasts. God told Judah their land would be smitten as well with plagues and famines. And they resorted to cannibalism, actually eating their own children trying to survive. Meanwhile, in our time, the UK and America have crossed every forbidden biblical boundary in forsaking God. If throughout history, nations and empires have been judged and destroyed for transgressing biblically defined moral boundaries, what makes us think will be treated any differently by God. Evangelist Franklin Graham bemoaned the fact that we've taken God out of the public debate. And his mother, the wife of the late evangelist Billy Graham, famously said, God will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah for destroying those wicked cities if he spares America in its current apostate state. Prophecy author Bill Solace has written an article the Biblical Indictment of America, in which he outlined four reasons why nations in the Bible were judged. And I'll also mention these reasons. Number one, he said, wickedness, moral decadence, and violence were the causes of judgment in Noah's day and also the causes of the ultimate destruction of the Assyrian Empire about 612 B.C., despite the fact that judgment was held off for a while due to their repentance at the preaching of Jonah. Secondly, sexual perversion, such as that of Sodom and Gomorrah at the time of Abraham. A third cause of judgment is anti-Semitism. That surely led to the destruction of the Egyptian army at the time of Moses. According to Genesis 12:3, the treatment of Israel is reciprocated upon a nation. According to the word of God, blessings can be expected for those who treat Israel favorably, but troubles are guaranteed to nations that curse Israel. A fourth cause of judgment, idol worship, which in its worst conditions leads to child sacrifice. And this resulted in the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC, and later the destruction of the southern kingdom of Judah in 586 BC. Bill Salas stated that in every instance, the destructions caused unbearable sufferings and hardships to everyone, including the believers in God, as well as the unbelievers who didn't heed the prophetic warnings given in advance by the Hebrew prophets. The Supreme Court in the USA overturned Roe versus Wade because the majority of the justices said the U.S. Constitution does not guarantee the right of abortion. And it's their job to uphold the Constitution. There have been other hopeful rulings recently upholding freedom of speech and religion. Nevertheless, in 2015, 
the Supreme Court approved same-sex marriages, putting the USA in the danger zone as far as God's opinion is concerned. You see, God doesn't take lightly the redefinition of his institution of marriage between a man and a woman so that they can be fruitful and multiply, producing godly offspring in the earth. The point is, which scenario does America most resemble today? Repentant Nineveh or a defiant nation that has passed the tipping point? If we're not obeying the Lord's commands, then we are essentially doing evil in his sight. And Jeremiah 18.10 states, If a nation does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then, God says, I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit that nation. Paul asked in the book of Galatians, who has bewitched you? It's a very serious word, bewitched, related to deceptive charm, even sorcery, the evil eye, and demonic power. And in the one case where the word bewitched is used in the New Testament, false doctrine had bewitched believers in Paul's day, and false doctrines proliferate today because Paul said apostasy, a great falling away, will be the most prominent sign nearest to the rapture. And Jesus himself warned of deception as being a great end time sign, a deviation from the true gospel. Before any other sign, Jesus warned against deception. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 9, we're given a hallmark of the last days. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape, referring to unbelievers. However, Paul added, you believers are all the children of light and the children of the day. He said, we're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be awake and watch and be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay, today the question remains, is it possible that the historical example of Nineveh's great and even unexpected repentance could be repeated in America? I hope so, if indeed America is headed for a disaster. Let's believe America could also receive a similar pardon from the Lord through deep repentance. Yes, America can be saved, but the Lord doesn't issue a get-out-of-jail-free card, as in the board game of Monopoly, according to Bill Salas in his article. Americans and their leaders must sincerely emulate the actions of Nineveh in order for the Lord to relent from destroying this already pretty far gone nation. We can apply the question to Britain and Canada and nations like Australia as well. Does America and these nations have a national repentance forthcoming in the near future? If the answer hopefully is yes, may our nations be forgiven like Nineveh. If the answer is no, then what? At the very least, the Lord will no longer bless our nations and America's greatness and Britain's greatness will never return. Only God knows the end from the beginning. In the final verdicts, 
So we continue to pray and hope and occupy until the rapture happens. We're already close to the end of the church age and the coming of Jesus in the atmosphere for his bride. After the rapture, I must warn you, the world will be plunged into the horrific short period of history called the Great Tribulation. You want to be spared from that, but how? The good news is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I want to ask you, if you were to die tonight, are you sure you'll end up in heaven? Are you sure your sins have been eternally forgiven? If Jesus would return suddenly, would you be ready? If you're not sure, you need to get sure and without delay. And there's only one way to know your sins are forgiven, and that is to repent now and put your trust in the Savior, Jesus, Yeshua, to redeem you because the Bible teaches that all who call upon the Lord shall be saved. Not a single one of us can save ourselves. We all need God's prescription for salvation, and His prescription is the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. So here's what you must do. Learn the ABCs of the gospel. Admit to God that you have sinned, Believe that Jesus, God's Son, died on the cross to pay for your sins, that He rose from the dead, certifying 100% your debt to God has been paid. And then call upon the name of Jesus and ask Him to save you. Romans 10.13 is a sure promise. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus and live. As one of my favorite choruses goes, like a baby, we have to learn to walk, and sometimes we fall. So fall on Jesus, fall on Jesus and live. Sometimes our way is lonely and filled with pain. So cry to Jesus, cry to Jesus and live. And when he comes again, we'll fly to Jesus and laugh on glory's side and live. My friend, stay close to him. We're indeed living in a time of great apostasy, a great rebellion and falling away. Our nations that once honored the Lord's truth and his word, yet so many have rejected God's message of love and hope. Nevertheless, we pray that millions might turn back to God while there's still time. Ask the Lord's forgiveness for our sins individually and nationally. We pray to the Lord. If he must bring judgment, we plead for mercy. Help us to be faithful and turn from every sin in our own lives. Lord, let us be salt and light. We pray that God's Spirit might move powerfully in our midst and in our nations. And despite the perilous times we're living in, which can be so vexing, remember, because the Lord lives and is coming back soon, we can face today and tomorrow. We can face anything with His help and strength. Living in such a time as this, it's worth your while to check out our website, exploits.tv, and our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, so you can watch our library of free videos anytime. Our program is called Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, declaring that people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and will carry out exploits, meaning we're going to accomplish the works of the Lord in the remaining time before his imminent return. 
If you like to watch or listen on the go, please download our free Jerusalem Channel app, which you can find on the Apple and Android sites. And if you have any questions, feel free to contact me on social media. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom and Maranatha. When you visit the Jerusalem Channel website, you can watch all our videos with closed caption subtitles. Select the closed caption logo at the bottom right corner of the video screen and select English. Jerusalem Channel Facebook page, you can select closed captions in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Arabic. The Jerusalem Channel YouTube site has closed captions in English.